um, I don't have this perfectly thought out yet, um, so the metaphor may change. <laughs> but I've just thought about how, uh, Frank, you mentioned that prayer, you know, we're becoming a church of prayer. Um, and, you know, while we have, while we're, we have our Sunday morning time of connecting and, and engaging the Word to grow together and to grow in the Lord, we're starting the Wednesday night back up again um, to do the same, to grow together, to grow in the Lord. Um, we also pray, and prayer is, again, the metaphor may change, but I feel like prayer is the engine, the engine that drives all that God does in and through our lives. Prayer, because what is prayer but a relationship with our Father and a expressed belief that He can do powerful things in the world around us and in our lives. So we need to be a church of prayer. That's, we need to be individuals of prayer. We need to be couples of prayer. We need to be families of prayer. And we need to be a church of prayer. And for that reason, I wish that this message was on prayer today because it would just fit right in. Um, but it's not far from it um, at all. Today, you know, we've been talking a lot <clears throat> Through the last two months since I started, a little bit more than that, we've been talking about the vision of joy, right? And, and how we, we plan to be used by God for his kingdom and, and be, be a family. We are a family. And that's something, I've, it's such a, a beautiful thing to get to walk into as a pastor, to get to walk into a group that loves and, and, and truly embraces the reality of being a, a church body that's a family. And you guys have been together and loving on each other for so long that that's truly evident. And as we, as a, as a, as a leadership team, we're, we're looking into the future and we're making all these plans or step-by-step -step thinking and planning for the future of what life will look like as we walk in the mission of, joy, of, of God at Joy Christian Center. And one thing that stands out in, among many is the importance of unity, right? And we, 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 I just mentioned the family dynamic here, so obviously there's already unity happening. But it's an important thing for us to think about, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, specifically, this is not the text that we're going to be diving into, but it's, we could call it a launching text into the passage we're going to look into today. The, um, in John 17, <clears throat> John 17, 20 through 23, Jesus is with his, his disciples, with the 12, in the upper room, the same night that he was betrayed by Judas, at the Last Supper, and he starts praying. Towards the, the end of their time there, he starts praying, and he talks, he's talking to the Father and praying for the disciples and, and for all those who will believe because the disciples spread the word. And Jesus says this. He says, I do not ask for these only, speaking of the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through the world, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So as we think of unity, um, 
I love this ver- the, the, these couple verses because it speaks to one of the powerful outcomes, one of the powerful positive consequences of unity. Specifically, it says, as, as I just read, Jesus says that, that we may all be one. In other, that may, we may, in other words, that we may be united. And that he says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So if we capture that, that, that message, Jesus is saying to the Father through his prayer that unity is one way that the world, unity within the body of believers is one way that the world comes to believe in the gospel, in the Lord. Unity is one way of proclaiming the gospel. So we as a body, we could grow in, you know, people could start coming. We could, you know, it could be a bunch of people here. But if there's not unity, unity of, of spirit, unity of love, unity of su- being supportive, um, unity of, of, of vision, or at least of, of going in the same way as, as the Lord is, is taking us, these things are so important as we witness to the world through the way that we do life together as a family. And that's true of our families as well, right? Unity is in, in the, what God is calling to us to um, in unity is represented in our family and can be, a, can be a witness to the world in our family as well, but is so powerful and so needed among us here at Joy. And I already expressed that, that we have this, this advantage because we're already a, a family. We, there's been years of getting to know each other, years of connecting for the, for the majority of, of those here. Um, so the family dynamic is already there. The unity is already established. Of course, though, that there, there is always room for a greater growth in that area of unity. And that the reason that's the case is because unity doesn't always come easy, right? It doesn't, it doesn't happen naturally all the time. We can look at families as a, as a good like, example of what, whether unity is, comes naturally or not, right? A lot of families are in discord because of one reason or the other, because unity just doesn't come natural. So we as a body, we need to be very intentional about the unity in and among ourselves. And we're going to be talking about that today. Unity requires intentionality. But what does it take to be united? What does it take to be united? And we're going to be talking about that today. So the, the title of my message today is The Core of Unity, Peeling Back the Layers. So we're going to try to, in this text that I'm about to read to us, it's from uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, we're going to be looking at unity, looking through the lens of unity at what, what Paul is telling the Colossians in this, in this uh, passage. And we're going to be peeling back layers because Paul talks about a lot of different things in this passage. He talks about a handful of things. So we're going to be peeling back the layers to get to the core of what of unity, of how we experience unity. What's at the core of that unity? We're going to be peeling back the layers. We're going to be looking at uh, different elements, but getting to the core. 
So if, you're, if you've already turned to Colossians 3, 1 through 17, we're going to read through that. The text says, <clears throat> Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, songs, I'm sorry, wisdom, singing, psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs. With thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So that's a big chunk of... Um, of God's Word. There's a lot going on in there. Um, Paul is someone who, who can pack a small amount of space with a lot of information and knowledge and theology and, 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 and wisdom. So we're looking at a lot here, and as I was working through this text today, God, I believe God guided me to, to see, again, a, a kind of layers of what Paul is talking about in regards to unity. So in, uni in regards to unity, verse 15 speaks to unity. He says, Paul says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So this text, at first glance, might sound like it's saying for us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts individually, personally. And, and that's part of it for sure. But as you read the second part, he, he says, to which indeed you were called in one body. So we are called to live out the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts, but we are called to live that out in, in unity as well as a body of believers. We are called to walk that, that out in unity. In verse 11, he goes on to talk about this, this, um, 
the importance of unity through explaining things that could be divisive, things that have been within the church at this point and could potentially be divisive. And he, he, he tries to nip this in the bud and say, he says like this, here, there, are, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, bar- barbarian, Scythian, slaver-free, but Christ is all and in all. In other words, he's saying, all the things that might divide you, they're there, you know, and, 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 and it's not necessarily bad things. You know, he's just describing who people are, really. But in that context, these sometimes would divide people. And we, too, as believers, have things that are divisive. And he's saying, and he says to them then and to us now, those things that are secondary to Christ need not be a concern to you. You cannot let those things be divisive. But Christ is all and in all. He, Christ is our united front. He is who we unite around and who we are united in. And we can't let other things allow us to fall apart, to, for our unity to fall apart. So unity is essential in a body of believers. And the first thing, the first layer, if you will, that we're going to be peeling back is, or touching on, is in regards to unity, behavior is a very important element, right? I mean, we are face-to-face with each other now. We are, you know, we talk before service. We talk in the, you know, when we have our break, we talk after service. We are going to, as we move forward into God's plan for us, and more people come as God provides, hopefully new, many new believers, new believers in Christ, we are going to have new dynamics, and we are going to have to work with one another. And our behavior matters. In other words, if I come to you and I'm rude to you, that's going to hurt you. And if you're rude to me, that's going to hurt me. Now, mind you, we're family, right? And, and family has conflict here and there, but our behavior matters. Paul, Paul specifically states um, in verses 5 through 9, he, he explains a bunch of things we're not supposed to do, right? He says, Put to death what is earthly in you. And that's very strong language. We need to put to death what is earthly in us. And then he goes on and says, stop doing these things, sexual immorality, impurity, sinful passions, evil desires, um, wanting what others have, coveting, idolatry, forms of idolatry, anger, wrath, and all of these negative things. Stop doing these. He goes on to say, in these you have once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. So behavior, our, our, our um, character, this speaks to our character, it speaks to behavior, what we are doing. He's saying, put to death those things that are earthly in you. Put to death those things that you used to walk in, in sinful desires and sinful actions. Put those things to death and stop doing them. He goes on um, to say, well, let me, let me say this first. Another element of, of behavior, of sin, in, any, in a family, in a couple, and also within a church, it's very important to understand that sin is not solely a personal experience. 
Sin, some, sometimes when people are, when we, when people in general are in the midst of sin, especially walking in sin, there's this mindset that, oh, I'm, it's me. I'm hurting, you know, if, if it's going to hurt anybody, it's me. So, so stay out of my, my experience. I'm not hurting anyone, I'm hurting myself. But the truth and the reality of sin is that it, it has an effect on everybody around us. So as we think of behavior, the first layer as I'm talking about in regards to unity, we need to be very, very aware that behavior is important when it comes to unity. And I don't think that's hard to understand. And, and as that is the case, Paul goes on to explain a bunch of positive things we need to do, the good behavior. He says in verse 12, um, as he's already said, put to death the earthly things. Now he, he, he uses another metaphor of putting on. So kind of like a robe. Um, we put on these things, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And then he goes on to say, I want you to bear with one another. That's the version that I have, the English, stand, uh, English Standard Version, ESV. It says, bearing with one another. So what does he mean by that? And, and I looked at some other, ver- other versions. The New Living Translation says that we need to make allowance for each other's faults. And I think that's a, a great way of looking at it, a great way of stating it. We need to make allowance for one another's faults. Nobody's perfect I'm going to rub somebody the wrong way at some point. Somebody's going to rub me the wrong way. It happens. We offend each other sometimes on accident, sometimes in the moment. You know, being being at church is, you know, it's a a place of passion. We're passionate about our beliefs. We're passionate about the Lord. We're passionate about lots of things. So, so, and we're a family. Things happen within a family. So, so we need to, as he says, Make allowance for one another's faults. <clears throat> as I looked, in it, looked at it in another version, um, not as common of a version, but it is an option. It's called the Lexham um, English Bible. I like, the, I, I like the way that they stated it. It was not so um, eloquent, not so, not so nice, if you will. It says like this. In regards to bearing with one another, it says putting up with one another. <laughs> The version that it uses is putting up with one another. And the reality, the reason I like that is because we're human and sometimes that's the best we got in the moment. I'm going to be able to put up with something, right? That's, that's just being real. And, and putting, up with, with, putting up with one another reminded me of, the, as I've expressed many times already, the, that we're family. And I was thinking about, as I, as I read that in my studies, it reminded me of a, of a movie I just watched. So it wasn't a, very, it wasn't a, a spiritual movie or a feel-good movie like sometimes you get inspired by, but it was a beautiful moment in the midst of an uh, action film. So the film specifically was Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and if you watched it, I'm not going to try to explain the characters. That might be confusing if you don't know the movie. But one of the characters' names is Rocket. And in this this scene, Rocket is 
in the ship. The rest of the guard, he's one of the guardians of the galaxy, a good guy. He, all the other guardians are on a planet in danger, in major danger. And he says to what is generally a, a bad person, a, a, a female character that's a bad, bad person in the, in the film generally, he says to her, okay, he's, he's, he's in, the, in the, the, um, the spaceship and he's preparing himself, getting equipped, and he says, I got to go help my friends. And she says, she starts laughing. <laughs> she laughs and she says, they are not your friends. You're screaming at each other all the time. And he says, you're right. They're my family. <laughs> that, that, that's not a perfect quote. I, I didn't look it up to get it right, but that was what I remember, something along those lines. And I loved that because isn't it the reality that in a family, if the closer you get to somebody, the more likely you're going to have conflict at some point. And that's why I'm talking about unity today. Because our desire for, for, for Joy Christian Center is as we move forward, even though you guys are, we are all close now, and I'm getting to know you more and more and getting part of the family more and more, getting closer with everybody, we are going to move forward to get even more close in the Lord. And, and I'm not the only one that wants that. I've seen that in some of the... the um, questionnaires that I gave you, people that want to grow in co- even closer in community. So as we do that, we're going to rub shoulders more and potentially offend one another once in a while. There's going to be lots of love, but once in a while there will be conflict. And <clears throat> the, reality of, the reality of conflict is it's not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. I, re- I read a book in my undergrad. I don't remember the book or the author, but I remember this quote. <clears throat> he said, he or she said, conflict is the road to intimacy. Conflict is the road to intimacy. Meaning that as we get close to one another, love one another, we're going to have moments where we clash Um, where we don't agree on something, where there's some type of conflict. And as we work through that conflict together, we get closer together. We find healing. That's what happens in every marriage. That's what happens in every close relationship. You have highs and you have difficulties. And as you work through those difficulties together, you unite. So we are a family that's going to have confrontation, conflict, but we're going to grow together and love one another through it. And in fact, he goes on to say, after saying, putting up with one another, <clears throat> that we need to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven us, so we also must forgive, the text says. We must forgive. So before we move on, we just encountered two very important, very Difficult subjects, potentially difficult subjects. We talked about behavior or sin, how sin can affect things, and we talked about forgiveness. So I just want to pause for a second before we move on and just encourage that if there is, if you are are struggling with any sin in your life, whatever it may be, small in your eyes or large in your eyes, 
This is a time where you need, if, you're, you know, if you've got your, your toe in the water, or, or whether you've already dove in, in, in an area of your life, you need to step back out of the waters of sin and turn to God and ask for repentance. We need to do that in our lives every time we stumble, we step away from the waters that sometimes are temp- tempting, that are easy to pull us in. We step away from the waters. And as we, t- we touch on this subject, I don't want to leave it without, Im- Im- without acknowledging that we all need to be very careful to, st- to, to step away from the waters of sin. Don't, put our, don't dip, dip our toe in. Don't sit on the side of, of the pool of sin with our legs in or dive in. We need to get out, draw close to God, and find healing and peace with Him. The other, the other thing is, before we move on, I want to talk about forgiveness. Right? We're, we're a united family working towards closer and closer unity as we grow closer and closer as a family. But unforgiveness can really put a, can hinder that unity. And I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I don't know what's your experience, whether there's any unforgiveness or not, but we all have our experiences. We all have our relationships, whether it be here or outside of these walls and another family in our family or wherever it may be. If we have unforgiveness, it, it does it hurts us within our own hearts, within our own lives, and it, 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 it hurts the unity within the body, whatever that body may be, our body or your family or whatever it may be. So I just want to acknowledge that and encourage you. And if you have any of that in your life, talk to me, talk to, to another believer, get somebody praying with you and for you, and come around each other in those areas of life. Because we all need to be transparent, open, and honest, at least with somebody in our life who can help, we can bring it to the light and find a way out of it. So, a quick summary before we step to the next um, layer of unity. For us to grow in unity, for us to establish and grow in unity, we need to check our behavior and check our walking in sin. We need to be, be aware of that, cautious of that, and it, just realize that behavior is going to affect, good or bad, our unity, right? I'll talk more about that as we, as we move forward. The second layer of unity that we're going to talk about has to do with the knowledge of truth. We can only be united as we gain in knowledge of truth. And I'm going to speak specifically in regards to truth about identity. And I know I've spoken about this before. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing to continue to uh, reiterate. But the reason why it comes up so much is because it's so often in the Word. You, 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 you read it throughout the, the, the New Testament over and over again, the importance of our identity, who we are in God, in Christ. So we look at the, the second layer, at least for, to, for today in regards to the unity, as, as I'm explaining it, the second layer of unity as we, as we head towards the core of what establishes unity. 
We need to know who we are to be united. So verse 12 says something about that. It says that we are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So who are you? You are chosen by God. You are a saint, a holy one. You are holy. You are sanctified and made holy by the blood of Christ. And you are beloved by the Father, beloved by God. You are loved intensely by God. He chose you before the world was created. He was looking forward to the day that you made the decision to choose him. He made you holy in Christ. He called you his child, his beloved child. And he made, and he established a relationship with you. And you are his adopted child. And I like to point out that you are adopted because that's the element of being chosen, right? We didn't just get birthed into his family. He said, I want Becky in my family. I want Rick. I want everybody in my family. All of you. You are chosen. Verse 1 says, you have been raised with Christ. Verse 3 goes on and says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So there's this, this concept, you have been raised. There's this concept throughout many of Paul's writings, and, and it even talks about it in, in chapter 2 of Colossians, this idea of us um, dying to our old self and being raised to a new, our new self in Christ, to an, as a new creation in Christ. So who are you? You are beloved, you are chosen, you are holy, and you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, behold, the new has come, right? We read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the same vein of who are we, what is our identity, he says in verses 9 and 10, You have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So I want you to focus on the wording there, you have put off the old self and you have put on the new self. It's past tense. There is a switching, a taking off of the old self, putting on the new self in Christ, right? So you are a new creation, a new person in Christ. Verse 10 goes on further, talking about the new self, that, you, that your new self is being renewed in the knowledge and after the image of of its creator. So you're being you have put off the new, new self, you've put on you have put off the old self, you've put on the new self and you're being renewed. This speaks to the reality that we have been set free from sin and we still are working working it out, working it out and trying, you know, through God's grace finding victory after victory as we work through this life, right? So we are we are God's children, chosen, beloved, holy, and we have a new self, right? That is who we are, a new creation. That's who we are 
as God's Word tells us here and in many other spaces in the New Testament. And we need to understand that, in, that God's Word, John specifically says this in, in chapter 8. He says, So Jesus said, If you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we just, we just read before that in verse, I'm sorry, in verse 10 of our text today, it says, we are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. So we are being renewed in knowledge. As we know more of the truth, we are being renewed. And as I said, the truth will set us free. As we know the truth, it will set us free. So as we know who we are, we are transformed to see ourselves from a different lens, from, from a lens that God sees us, through who we truly are now in our new self. And it transforms our life. And the, the reason I bring this up in regards to unity is because as we know who we are, we're more likely to walk out a life. Our behavior is going to follow who we are. So now I'm, I'm going to bring up a little bit could be a little controversial depending who you're talking to. It might not matter to you at all. Um, it might just be, you might think of it as semantics, and to some degree, it can be. But I've recently had a conversation with somebody that sparked, sparked this, um, um, made me wrestle with this more than I had been. And that is the question, are you or are we, are you a sinner or are you a saint? You might say, yes, <laughs> yes, I am both, right? I sin sometimes, and I'm holy in, made, I'm made holy by Christ. In his blood, I am holy. But I want to challenge us today. I, I come from, from um, so my education as well as theology is in psychology. So I know, Rick, you're going to kind of hear where I'm coming from in regards to the psychology side of this, but I'm not going to focus on psychology. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading God's Word. I'm not even going to bring up anything from any psychology journals or any, any insights from psychology. This is from God's Word. But my point is this, is that we, our action will be influenced by our perceived identity. I'm going to say that again. Our actions, our behavior is influenced by our perceived identity. So what do I mean by that? I believe that our perception of ourself, whether we primarily see ourselves as a sinner or whether we primarily see ourselves as a chosen, beloved um, child of the Most High God, it's going to make a difference. That's going to make a difference on how we live out our lives. Are we a sinner or are we a saint? Let me, let me give you um, maybe an, a, a little metaphor, a little example, a picture of what I'm trying to say. So we all know what a caterpillar is, what it looks like. They, there's many variations of them. God decided to create lots of different Types of caterpillars, some fuzzy, some slimy looking, some looking like 
different things, different colors. But to me personally, and you might love caterpillars. To me, they're not the prettiest thing in the world. They're, they're not desirable. They're kind of a, uh, uh, yeah, just not nice looking. And they slither around, they crawl around, whatever they do. But we know this about caterpillars, that at one point in their life, they're going to crawl somewhere, slither somewhere, they're going to make a cocoon, and they're going to turn into a butterfly, right? And they're going to fly. Now, if that butterfly truly believes that it's a caterpillar still, it might try to crawl around on the ground still. It might, it'll be awkward with its wings, but it might try to crawl around and, and still, still do the things it did as a caterpillar. Now, that obviously isn't the best um, um, metaphor for us, but it, I'm trying to bring a little bit of, of insight or, 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 or connectedness to the idea that we, the way we see ourselves matters to the actions, it influences the actions that we're going to display in our lives. So I want to encourage us. I'm not trying to bring a new theology <laughs> to God's Word. There's, there, we have, there's a, a common statement that people say, I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I'm trying to say here, let's focus on the, the I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm, a, I'm walking, I'm working it out with Christ to walk in my new, the new self that God has, my new, I'm a new creation walking in Him. Stumbling and bumbling around along the way, yes, I am a child of God who sins rather than a sinner who is a child of God, if that makes sense. Again, it might just be semantics to you. I think on a level, on a deep level, it matters of how we perceive ourselves and how that is played out in our lives and in our behavior. So, identity matters to unity because it matters to our behavior. <clears throat> the next layer of, of um, unity is focus or attention. Where we are giving our focus, where we are giving our attention in our life. And the text has quite a bit to say about this. Um, very powerful words. God's word has a lot to say about this. But the text today in uh, Colossians 3 has a lot to say about this. Where are we spending our time? What are we doing with most of our time? What are we, what are, what are we doing with our energy in life? Where is our focus? Where is our gaze? Where is our attention in this life matters when it comes to unity. I'll explain that. So verse 1 says, seek the things that are above. Verse 2, so, so it's telling us to set our gaze on God, on the things of God, right? Seek the things that are above. It says, set your minds, your thoughts on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Verse 16 goes on, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So that when, when he's talking about word there, there's no clarity on exactly what he's talking about it. So we just have to, un, to understand in general, he's likely talking about the word that, that is God's word, the word 
that Jesus spoke, the gospel, all that Jesus taught in general. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell, let it marinate, let it saturate your life, your existence, your everything, all of who you are. And then it goes on to explain how you can do this. How can you marinate? How can you focus so much on God that you're marinating in his presence, in, his, in a life saturated with God? It goes on to say ways you can do that. Teaching, right? Teaching as we're here, somebody, whether it's me or, or Rick or somebody's going to be preaching. So we're going to be taking in the teaching. Another way it talks about is admonishing one another with all wisdom. So encouraging one another, strengthening one another with the wisdom of God, his word, his truth. And then it talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of worship. So we marinate ourselves in worship, in time with God, in praise, whether that's individually or corporately. We marinate and we focus, we get our attention on the Lord, not on the things of the earth. And then another way, it's through thankfulness. When, when our minds strain, when we're, when we're straying off course, when we get an attitude or we just, we just start thanking God for things, it pulls us back, pulls us back to get our mind on Christ, our mind on the things of God and not of the earth. And there's a couple verses that remind us of this, right? We think of in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Before everything, have your attention on God's kingdom, on him. And then if you, if you know the, what the Shema is, I don't even know if I'm saying that perfectly, but um, it's from um, Deuteronomy, a very important verse. For us, um, it, was, it is important for, for those in Judaism. Very important for us. And it speaks to this idea of marinating in God, saturating ourselves in Him. It says like this, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again. In other words, let me back up. They're talking about the commands Jesus gave, I'm sorry, the, um, God gave them in the Old Testament Today we're talking about all the, the, all the truths of the Bible and all that Jesus has commanded us in our life. All that the Word has to say, all the truth the Word has to say. That's what I'm talking about today. So, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to all of that, all these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them at your home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If that's not speaking to saturating yourself with the things of God, I don't know what else we could say. God is calling us to go out of our way. That's, you know, put it around your head, tie it to your wrist, put it on your doorpost, your gate. Go out of our way to marinate in Jesus, in the Father, in God, in the things of God. So what does that look like for us? We have jobs, we have life, we have relationships. It can look a lot of different ways, right? It can be praying while we're driving. It can be adding a little bit more to our prayer time. 
engaging the Word more, listening to the Bible as we drive, whatever it may be, but saturating ourselves with God, praying throughout the day, thanking God throughout the day to remind ourselves of His, His goodness and His grace. And now to the core. We said we were going to get to the core, right? We've talked <clears throat> about behavior. The one layer of importance, an important factor of unity. Our behavior matters. We've talked about identity and how identity is so important. Knowing the truth of who we are because it affects how we live our lives. And if we know who we are and we live out a life in Christ, as children of the Most High God, we're going to have better unity. We're going to have, um, it's going to come more naturally. Then we just talked about focus, right? And how important focus is, focusing and having our attention, marinating ourselves on the things of God. Why? For one, because we're called, called to do it. Two, because it makes us know who we are and who God is, which helps us um, walk out a, a life more like Jesus, which helps us to bind us in unity. But there's one more element, the core of unity. The core of unity, you might have already guessed it, it's God. It's a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a relationship with the Lord. We've talked about knowledge, but we know that the Pharisees had a lot of knowledge, but they lacked the connectedness with their Father. So we need, at the core of unity here at Joy Christian Center, is that each of us need to intentionally step forward in a walk with our Heavenly Father with our Lord Jesus, with the Comforter, the Helper alongside us, the Holy Spirit, helping us along the way. And it's going to give us the ability to walk together, united. It's going to give us the ability, our relationship with the Father is going to ignite the passion inside of us to do the things He's called us to do, to live the lives He's called us to live, and to do so united as he's called us to be. So what does that look like for us? Specifically what I mean by that is, if we all continue to grow in our relationship with our Father, with our Lord, what will that do? That will, as I said, help us to know um, who we are, help us to unite, help us to, to walk as closer to the image of Christ in our life. But it will also do this. We mentioned, I mentioned it at the beginning. I said that unity is one way of spreading the gospel. And I want to say that as we walk in unity, as we put into place our, our steps towards gaining a, a relationship with the Father, and it, as it ignites the unity in, in and among us, people will see this in our lives at, at, on our own with our, with our, uh, at, at work and 
and in our families and everything, people will see this. And in a world of individualism, a broken world of, of broken families and difficulty, the same world we live in, people will see this and they will want to be part of that. And I want to say, I am so thankful to be here because you guys have already got this, this going on. So I'm preaching to the choir, and I know that. But praise God, as we draw closer to him, we can be a light, we can be a, a beacon of, of hope for the world around us. And that is part of the reason we're starting Wednesday night up again. I'm sure that's part of the reason Sunday night um, uh, Bible study with Mike and Sandy occurs. We want to be deliberate here about fostering our relationship with the Father, with our Lord, and with one another so that we can be lights in the world that we live in. So unity, let's live it out, let's walk in it, let's not give up on it. You know, we can, we can be, uh, be offended and not bring it up, try to hide it, try to not bring it up, but always not want to be around that person. And as we grow, we'll have more people that that might happen with. And we need to, to do, deal with it, whether that means meeting with me, whether that means just talking it out with somebody you care about, or whether that means this is something that needs to be addressed with the person and, and, and communicate it out and work through it. We need to walk in unity, and at the core, we need to establish our relationship with the Father deeper and deeper. And with that said, let's go ahead and worship the one who we focus on, the one who we marinate in, and the one who brings unity to us all and among us.